Welcome back to Texas Tea, where I talk with local Texas entrepreneurs, hustlers, and prodigies about how they became successful. Today's guest will take your interior from failing to fabulous, Olivia Wynn. I know, nice drum roll. I gotta get some drums <laughs> in here. Nice to, nice to meet you a second time. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. You're welcome. So I think we're going to go over today how to become an interior designer. Mm-hmm. So before we go into the really deep story of your life and how you became a, a lover of interior design, for those who may have clicked or started to listen and were like, man, you know what? Interior design is my passion. What would be like? the most prominent piece of advice that you would tell them? Well, I would say that it's not easy, first of all, like finding your calling, right? Mm -hmm. You have to go through so many do's and don'ts and like careers that may not work out. But um, actually for me personally, I've found a love for interior design as a little kid. And I kept putting it off the back burner. It's just like, you know what? they don't really make that much money. And like, even when I told my mom, she was just like, you're going to be an artist. You're going to (laughs) starve on the streets. And I'm just like, well, since you put it that way, no, I mean, it, I mean, it's a very uh, lucrative business and there's a lot of great artists that has made something of themselves in, in the business. And so um, it was after going through a lot of failed different studies in my college years, um, I revisited the interior design and I went to art school here in Houston and just fell in love with it. I knew it was something that, you know, um, God was calling me to. So, so so your advice would be figure out for sure. It's what you want to do by dipping your toe in a lot of different things. Exactly. Yeah, I I think so. Because without you failing hard, failing first, failing Mm -hmm. forward, you Mm -hmm. won't be able to know what you need to do. And so I think those necessary, um, I guess, you know, failures, you need to revisit all that you think that you would like and then filter out what works for you and what doesn't work. Right. Now that, that makes sense. So get a, get a sense for what is, what else is in the world and, uh, it will allow you to double down on interior design if, if that's, if that's the passion. Yeah. And and in the meantime, while you're discovering it, you may pick up a skill that actually integrates within what you're doing. And so it all works out. Got you. Got mm-hmm. you. Okay. Awesome. So this path that you speak of. So how did uh, Olivia Wynn go and become a win-win situation from the very beginning? <laughs> I don't know about that. I mean, um, I think it's just like an ongoing journey, you know, and mm-hmm. just like self-discovery. But it's important for us to know what you want to do and know where you want to go with it. Because without you knowing where you want to go, you won't know who to take with you. And so um, I think with just meeting a lot of different people, surrounding yourself with people that you really inspires you, that you look up after, and um, just asking really smart questions. Ask all the questions, do all the listening, no talking, right? Okay. Yeah, um, I've heard that. And so that's what's really helped me. And from that, whenever I felt like you know I was ready, and you'll probably know when you're ready to start, uh, and you won't have all the answers right away, and that's okay. 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 Well, I appreciate you expanding on that. I meant specifically what was your story and how did you get to interior design eventually? Because you said you were passionate as a kid. So, well, let's touch on that first. How come 
you were so passionate as a child in interior design? Well, I think it 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 was a hobby. It was okay. a hobby. And Re rearranging yeah, I was the, just the Wynn family furniture all the time. <laughs> I know, and everyone was thinking it was just an Asian thing with feng shui. But <laughs> <laughs> I really, I mean, even I fell for it, and okay. so I didn't know what it was. Um, you know, being growing up in an Asian culture, having the assumption that you know I was supposed to be a doctor, a, mm -hmm. um, you know, a dentist, you know, all the the different stereotype uh, Asian careers, and so it wasn't until like the other careers just didn't work out, you know, mm -hmm. then I was just like, you know what? I really noticed that I like being an artist. I like being creative. And um, that's where I wanted to, you know, like create an environment for people to build their best life with their surroundings. And interior design definitely brought that. And it was the relationships in those businesses that empowered people to create and to promote health and well-being in their spaces and that's why i love doing what i do so you so you realize that you can almost impact and change people's mood and lives from how their place of safety place of happiness place of warmth looks essentially absolutely and you know i think the common myth about interior design is just that maybe throwing uh pillows around and just picking swatches but there's a lot of information on the back end mm -hmm. and education that you know we're being trained in school um and the software um that's required for us to be able to analyze a space to be able to propose the most optimum um environment for a particular industry or um, individual mm. that promotes their well-being so first your first is more it sounds like it's more of a sales position than it originally most people would think because it seems like you need to dig into how a person is and what they want before you even suggest which is very very much if you're a good sales consultant you figure out what they need exactly for them specifically or their business you know it's funny we have a saying in in um in our art school is that we don't sleep in the bed we just create it <laughs> yeah you know um okay. and, and because of those long hours it's uh working on those projects and identifying with our client mm -hmm. and maybe some interior designers have lived with their clients just to get a better understanding of them really so and this, their environment this has really happened Yes, okay. and and it's not your everyday babysitter. I I guess you get a kid a two for one, yeah. right? <laughs> Where um you're eating a salad. And it's like so you chose green pasta. Does that mean you know, <laughs> like green? No, but I mean it's really helpful. It allows us to be able to understand, and it's more of a psychology mm -hmm. thing. Um, so I think color psychology and understanding that person from a psychological standpoint mm -hmm. and their environment and what works for them actually helps you with your job and understanding what they like and don't like. Yeah. So you're almost you're almost a bit of a hybrid of sales consultant and psychologist. We're the interior whisperer. The interior whisperer? <laughs> the couch whisperer? Yeah, couch whisperer. Pillow whisperer? It was not the dog. <laughs> it was not the dog. Yeah, just make sure you keep that dog off that white couch. <laughs> so, so you really got to dig into kind of like you said, the psychology and I'm guessing that means if you want to become an interior designer, you really have to, from the get-go, decide whether or not you like people. <laughs> right? Well, you know, I think that's almost in every industry. Well, maybe not all. Yeah. But, but yes, 
you you do have to ask some questions. Yeah. Um, you know, and so like asking those questions it enables you to understand what they like, don't like, in mm-hmm. order for you to go back to your work and just say, okay, is this a good fit for them? Yeah. So you may have to ask questions. You won't have to like live with them, hopefully, yeah. unless well, they request in that. In some cases. In some cases, <laughs> just like as I mentioned, but uh, for the majority of the part, it's everything's a relationship based. Yeah. So yeah. I think if if you're having a hard time or maybe you're an introvert, then I would probably explore different areas of mm-hmm. interior design because um, like the 2D CAD, part where you're um, generating floor plans yeah that's the aspect of interior design that maybe if you're an introvert you would absolutely enjoy just behind the computer behind the desk just Mm -hmm. pushing out drawings that's great um but as for the most part a lot of interior designers it's a one-on-one relationship so uh, expect to go out on site expect to intermingle with the vendors you're um, bidding different deals, uh, different proposals, and getting the best deal for your client. Because really, you're their consultant. Mm. And um, a lot is at stake. Because if um, if you miss the space by a couple of inches, that will throw off the entire uh-huh. yeah. construction budget. And that is a no-no. And in the commercial world, that is a major mistake. That's and the... could cost you your job. Yeah, yeah, I could, I could see that. Yeah, inches definitely matter. 100% I would think interior designing just as much as football but uh there you see there you go costly. it could see. go from a catch to uh out of bounds right so it could go from a perfect fit to no job well we like to always make the touchdown right <laughs> <laughs> that was like a real dad joke right there I, 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 I enjoy I enjoy a good dad joke every now and then I probably say way too many but um but back to uh, what you were saying about getting everything that fit perfectly, and you talked about commercial spaces, and I think those are those are probably very high dollar situations, mm-hmm. and you can make a lot more mistakes there. Uh, but you could probably have even greater of an impact, I would think, because you a commercial space, especially if it's retail or it's a restaurant it's going to be impacting thousands of people that come through those doors. So, so aside from just the, the owner who you got to figure out what they want, how do you, how do you figure out the impact that a commercial space is going to have? Do you have to figure out the type of customers that are going to come in? Who's going to likely be liking that place? Like, how do you go past what the owner wants and also think about what the clientele is going to be? That's a great question. And uh, that usually you start off by what we call programming, where you're just interviewing. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just listening That the first part of that relationship. Interviewing the owner or or the, his clientele or her clientele? The client. Okay. The okay. client. So the, the individual, the end user is okay. what we call it. Um, and you're just asking them different questions and just getting a better understanding of their vision, what they mm-hmm. like. And then you go back to your desk and you're thinking, okay, what are they really saying? Because sometimes, you know, the end user may say one thing, but they're exhibiting something else. And so that psychology that we had talked about, you kind of have to read in between the lines. It's a lot of guessing game. So um, I think determining what, based upon their needs, then you look at the market. Okay, what market are they in? Is it a realistic budget that they're asking for? Um, Are they aware of this? What are some ways that I can make them um, more aware of 
X, Y, and Z. Okay, so let's provide a solution A, B, C, and then let them pick because too many options can overwhelm them. So you're just kind of figuring out what they want. You're probably going to dig a little bit into who's coming through their doors. So you, so you're you're taking their viewpoint, knowing what industry they're in and what the viewpoints of their customers might look like combining so correct me if I, if I think i'm getting this right and combining so what they think what you know about their industry and coming up with some sort of a solution that merges the both and then they decide yay or nay yeah and it's a, it's a little bit of uh it's a, it takes two to tango right yeah so we're not gonna know everything about every niche and industry that's mm -hmm. why we kind of rely on the end user to tell us what are you looking for yeah. what's your vision right and then we come on our end and tell you okay this is your wish list and this is actually reality mm -hmm. you know based upon yeah. the budget yeah, yeah. i got you so it's it sounds like it's a very big juggling act and then you also have to go draw it on cad right yeah which you know which is part of the process but mm -hmm. planning everything ahead of time is key because without those dollars right beside the material you're going to use mm. you won't even know if you can afford it right so you also have to like you said you have to figure out their budget so it fits all within there so it's, it's, it's bringing so you're drugging a few balls and then all of a sudden another ball is coming in and you got to make sure it all fits together and you had that you had said that you kind of help with the budget because you have those relationships with the vendors you're negotiating on their behalf and you're kind of forcing it to fit in so it seems like it's people skills sales consulting a little bit of programming and then negotiation skills and sometimes you're their therapist i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> well you got enough couches for them <laughs> see i got a good dad joke <laughs> precisely <laughs> so oh man i lost i lost the question that i was gonna have next but um for someone who is, you know, hey, look, I really want to be an interior designer. Like, I, like all the industry is good and well, but what I've noticed uh, for anyone that's trying to become an entrepreneur, start their own thing, they they definitely come through a lot of struggle struggles. And you were coming up through already adversity, people telling you, hey, you shouldn't do this because becoming an artist, uh, you're not going to be able to eat. Which is funny because they instantly say interior design artist. You are an artist. But at the same time, it's, it's way more tangible of a service than finding a canvas and just hoping that you can create a following to buy your art. Mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're more, I wouldn't say industrial, but you're more of something that's used, I think, way more on a normal basis. But anyway, so you're coming through this adversity. Um, I'd like to hear a story of when you were first getting into interior designing and you were like, holy shit, this is insanely overwhelming and how you overcame it. That big smile says you already have something in your head. So back in 2015, when yeah. I opened up my business, okay, way over my head. Yeah, um, what part of it? I had a bucket of dreams and maybe a cup of um, skills. Nice, you know? nice, good and, ratio. And so, you know, there were, nobody really gets trained at financial management. <laughs> um, nobody really, uh, you know, teaches you like economics. I mean, we did have those economic and sociology mm -hmm. classes, but 
once it's being applied as an adult, it's a completely different oh, yeah. animal. It's, it's really hard to look at the economic struggles of Western Europe during World War II and apply that to your own personal business. Yeah. So, yeah you didn't really learn the right economics. Right. And Monopoly doesn't count. Yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. Game boards don't count. It does help. But I think the real life experiences kind of like, you know, mm -hmm. it, it really made me grow substantially. Mm -hmm. Um, and you won't know that until you actually dive into the business, which right. I highly encourage. If anyone is interested in interior design, I would reach out to financial experts, um, business management consultants, um, different mentors that you're that inspires you, and people that are a little bit a little bit older and more experienced to get an idea. Hey, I was just thinking about starting a business. What do you think about this? Yeah. And so that you can get an idea of. Um, you know, what you, the tools that you'll need to understand if I'm ready to even start, right? For me, um, I just jumped right in. You know, just like any entrepreneur that is, or, or artist that is just wanting those fast results Ugh. and uh, wanting to see it, wanting to have it and have it now, you know, like I just want to get there already. Those are, <laughs> you know, phrases that you would hear of a, a hustler, yeah. right? And so when I first started, I'll never forget my first paycheck was like a hundred bucks. Nice. And I it's managed I managed to turn that into a quarter of a million dollar in sales within the first eight months. Wow, that's epic. And so the lesson there was to keep putting yourself out there and introducing to people. Mm -hmm. Yes, you're a one person show, mm -hmm. but you can do it. And so what I did was I took the real business relationships that I had, drove around town and shook everyone's hand until they said yes. Nice. I didn't squeeze very hard, but one did come back. Okay. And a few of those deals that I closed um, came back substantially hmm. profit-wise. And um, right off of that, I, I realized what I was capable of. And it was just one of those things where you were in the right place at the right time um, whatever the end user was going through, they needed the help. Yeah. Well, it seemed, it seemed like you, you said right place, right time. But I always like to think of the fact that luck is not really luck. It's just putting yourself in as many situations as possible. And you're going to, you're going to hit one out of the park. So you said, you said you did, uh, you squeezed a lot of hands, not too tight, but um, you had found someone who came back kind of in spades so what what made you stand out with that person? How did that situation go? And, and why did they say Olivia is the, the absolute best and I need to keep doing business with her? The first impression yes. is the last impression. Yep. Presentation, mm -hmm. an introduction, that's all it takes. I walked in the office just choosing colors for them for free. Nice. They needed the help. I came back with a palette in a couple of hours and it had more than what they were asking for. So you said they need, so, so first of all, how did you first meet this individual? I don't know if you can talk about them. Yeah, sure. Now I won't disclose the company, but it was, um, the, the guy that I was dating at the time, uh, was actually doing business with them selling furniture. Okay. And he's like, Hey, can you just like pop in and just like rec make a couple of recommendations of paint? I'm not sure if it'll help. They already have a designer or they already have a general contractor that's right. helping them pick all the finishes. Okay, so well, they were selling furniture mm -hmm. and at the time your boyfriend was saying, hey, look, they're really terrible with the colors on, on, on the furniture. You, you can probably do better. 
Yeah. Okay. I mean, just walk in there, like do your magic, do your thing. Yeah. Yeah. And at that point, I I was still holding that $100 check going yeah. like, okay, this is a start. I hope it turns into something. Let's right, see what right. happens. And so this project really, it, it was a breakthrough mm. for me um, because I was able to create a lot of different avenue streams mm -hmm. within that service. I'm talking about like services, products, consultation. Yeah. And furniture merchandise were all part furniture of furniture merchandise. What's that? Yeah, it's just basically helping them um, select furniture, whether it's their commercial furniture or mm -hmm. the soft goods. You know, the things that you see in the lobby or the reception oh, area. Oh, got mm -hmm. you, got you. Okay, right, because cool. it's not residential. Ah, uh, okay. So even though they were, so they were selling furniture, right? Is my, did I get that correct? Well, the guy that introduced me to the client, well, he oh, was selling he was, commercial okay, furniture. I got a right, little right. turned around there. Okay, so he was selling commercial furniture to that location. Mm -hmm. He'd come into that location, and their their colors were way off. Yeah, I mean, they okay. needed the help, and so okay. I just came in and um, just offered a you know quick presentation, and they mm -hmm. fell in love with it. Okay, and uh, they actually brought me onto the team, and I started oh. meeting up with them. You know, every week. Oh, in awesome. their construction meeting and oh, awesome. um it was just phenomenal you know just building that relationship and that's when it started expanding the relationships the the contacts okay um and that's how it grew okay the awesome. ad the adversity in that was um not really doing the research that i should have had mm. on the front end okay and so running with rolling with the punches is not always the best mm. you always have to plan in advance and knowing what needs to go into that. Mm. And so my mistake was bringing contractors on board that, um, that I misinstructed what to build. Mm. And we had to destruct everything and that came out of the company's pocket. Mm. So that was kind of my lesson. Um, I think having an education and um, being a little bit more experienced at that time. Right. I just had hopes and dreams and um, I, I was a go-getter. I'll work you under the table, uh, you know? Yeah. And so I think with that passion and that resilience, mm -hmm. it landed me the job. Mm. But you need to have some sort of foundational and fundamental skills and experience to execute. So going to interior design school is probably a good first step. So rolling back to what we were talking before, once you figure out, hey, interior designing is insanely what I want to do, you might say, hey, you know what? Maybe just take a little bit more time, get the knowledge, and uh, but you still have to have the hustle as you had, of course. Absolutely. It's a combination of all. And what I will say to anyone that is interested in interior design, I would probably go to a, a community college that offers the technical software skills, right. okay. but the experience it, um, that you can apply on the field, mm -hmm. it has to be the firms. Mm. You know, gotcha. like start as early as you can. Mm. I don't okay. care if it's an internship. Get yeah. a job somewhere so you can get your feet wet, make those mistakes, and get back out there and do it right again. Yeah, yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. So, so it's get the get the education on the low low. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, some of these private schools they're quite pricey. They're not yeah. as preferred, but I mean, looking back at it, I no regrets. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Oh, so you so I, I must have missed a beat. So you did go. To a private school, to a private yeah, school mm -hmm. for interior design. Yeah, so okay. that's my bachelor's. Got you, got you, got you. Okay, see, 
Now I'm 0 for 2 on mishearing things. So I'm doing perfect right now. I'm, I'm hitting it out of the park. But, uh, but you would say, it's really funny that you say that you would say, Hey, look, go to community school to get that. It's, uh, I got my bachelor's in engineering. So I actually tell everyone, Hey, look, don't go to a private school to get your engineering degree. If you really <laughs> want to go to, to a private school, get all your electives, get everything math wise, right, science wise, right. in the community school. Uh, it's just, just really not worth it. And I think a lot of people, uh, and I'm going to roll this into what you're saying about getting an internship, a little, I guess, advice for me in general is uh, people would say, hey, the only reason why you got those jobs is you're from BU. You went to Boston University. And I said, no, ma'am. No, sir. The reason why I got those internships is what I did is I made a list of every possible engineering and manufacturing company in Connecticut and cold called every one of them until I got an internship. I got an internship at three and chose one of them. Wow. So, uh, so if anyone's listening and they are, you know, like, shoot, well, I do all this, but like, how am I going to get in a firm? Like you said, figure out every interior design firm and send in your resume if you can, and then pick up the damn phone and call them and just be like, Hey, I love interior design. Here's the reason why I'll come there and I'll do whatever you need me to do. I just want to get the experience. And I really like your firm because X, Y, Z, you know, uh, People, business owners want to see that you're persistent. Correct. And they want to see that you exhibit that passion and that drive to continue to pursue them. Yeah. Because let's be honest, you may not hear a back from them or a follow-up email like the first two, maybe three, four, a couple of times. Yeah. But, um, no, you, right. you know, dropping in, saying hello, maybe uh, dropping off um lunch for them or if you have that relationship with someone mm -hmm. in in the firm and eventually that will come to fruition and then you can build that relationship because everybody likes to hire who they trust correct correct that's a that's a big thing aside from hiring also getting the clientele you came in there and you brought swatches with no expectation essentially you're just like hey look you have a problem i'm going to try to solve it for you right and then they saw the willingness that you were going to put into it. So you're building rapport, you're, you're building that relationship. And I think people will find when you're genuine and you genuinely want to help, they'll, they'll take it as, okay, this is a good person. If you go in, uh, what is it called? Uh, sales breath. If you go in desperate and, and you really have the mindset of <laughs> selfishness, right? And you're like, I really got to close this deal. I really got to get this money. Uh, they could smell it on your breath, as, as I say. I so, think it's so. an approach that's actually a really good point because you don't want to go in screaming, I need to pay my babies. Oh, like, no, yeah. oh, I have bills God. on tape. No, it's just, you know, doing your diligence and uh, just being professional about it and just yeah. letting them know, like, you know, I'm really interested in your company. I'm hoping that there's an opportunity for me in exactly. the future. And you do that a couple of times and, and eventually someone will have to say yes. Eventually, yes. Eventually, Eventually, yes. you just got to be resilient, man. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. And that sounds like you're pretty resilient with getting clientele as well. So what was the, so that, that one that you had a really good relationship and a, or a really good working relationship with, um, don't know the name of the company, but, uh, you, but you also said you went out and prospected other locations, other potential clientele. Uh, how, how were you going out and approaching them? What was your essential, uh, value proposition as an interior designer? And, I've noticed when I first started sending them proposals 
that's when I've gotten a lot of lookbacks. Okay. That's when they started looking back and just. So you would go into a location, with with a, without them being a client, obviously, and you you gave just suggestions. Hey, this is what I would do. Yes. Okay. So that would probably be like the the warm call or right. the there's a cold call and there's like a warm lead. Right. Okay. Right. There's a cold lead, warm lead. That would be a warm lead. The cold lead would be calling them up to see to schedule an appointment. Oh, right. Okay. And then the warm lead would be, I'd love to give you, you know, just a free consultation or maybe they'll invite you out to the property to get a few of your ideas, but right. they haven't exactly signed the contract. That would be a closed deal. Right. Right. Okay. Got you. So if I'm thinking about this correctly, then, so instead of just being like, Hey, can I get an appointment with you? Because I want to be your consultant. You're like, you're like, Hey, I'm going to swing by and just give my thoughts and you can take them or leave them. It doesn't matter. It's like, you're basically giving a free consultation and then uh, if they like what you see then you move to trying to get them to sign a contract no absolutely because i think in the in the digital age where we're at right now yeah. it's basically a youtube video on how to um how to start your business right, right. in a three-minute clip only you're meeting them in person oh i got you got you you uh, know uh let me give you a free trial of what my services mm -hmm. could be like and if you're interested click right, the subscribe button, right, AKA right. sign on the dotted line. Yeah, you know? exactly. Sign on the, <laughs> Perfect. I don't even, I don't think I've ever said sign on the dotted line. I have given someone a, a pen and just pointed to, to where, it, <laughs> where it was though. It's only happened a couple of times, but, um, so, so you, have you ever gone cold or sorry, have you ever just walked, seen a business that you want to work with and just like waltzed on in there? I did. Okay. That's how I landed with the, some of these deals. Okay. And uh, it's phenomenal. So that's why I said it, I was at the right time at the right place. Yeah. You know, they were, um, the current relationship wasn't working out. Yeah. And uh, they released their current vendor. Yeah. And were seeking other resources. Right. Brought me in. Loved the presentation. Loved the style. And uh, that's how they hired me on. Got you. Remember, it wasn't, it wasn't luck. It wasn't right place, right time. It was just so many, and you just it happened to be one of them, right? Uh, so, so when you walk into, like, let's say you're perusing around Decker Center of Houston on the ninth floor <laughs> for some reason. I don't know why you'd be on the ninth floor. But you just, like, walk, like, walk in here. I know no one can really see this, but, like, what are the, what are the things you're looking for that you, you can start creating this portfolio in your head that you're like, you know what? Like, I think you guys can really, you can really do this and that because let me back up. I'm guessing you first need to know what the goal of the company is, right? Absolutely. So in this case, you see, I, I would assume you say, Hey, what do you guys do here? Right. And then you're like, oh, you're a set, you're uh, you're a brokerage. You you're gonna have a lot of salespeople here. So now you know that whatever you bring has to help us grow our sales team. Absolutely, and I think that uh, principle applies to almost any industry. Yeah. You want to listen out to the end user first, interview mm -hmm. with them. Uh, you know, gather their thoughts, their vision, their goals, mm -hmm. and you have to really pay attention and listen because sometimes there are hidden keywords that they're using that will help you create results that they're looking for that even they may not have identified with mm -hmm. yet. Okay. And so until things start slowly piecemealing together, then they'll look at the ending result and just say, 
oh my gosh, I didn't get it. I didn't get what you were doing that whole time. But now that I see the entire room complete, right. I love it. And so the you, imagination. How do you, how do you uh, talk someone off the ledge if they're, if they're anxious about what you're doing and they can't really see the full project yet? Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, we almost have to do that every time, yeah. you know, it's more so like you're standing in a room and there's, um, gun points at either ends of the room because nobody really wants to take the blame if, you right. know, one person costs higher than the other person, yeah. but you kind of have to lock the door and just say, okay, lock the door. let's, let's really talk about this. Okay. You know, vendor one, two, and three. Like, why are you, why is your cost like this? Because this was our cost, and so you just kind of like hash out. And really, at the end of the day, it's a budget-driven project. So, so you're saying that the the vendors for the project tend to get more anxious than than anything. It's else. the general contractors. Okay. The general yeah, contractors. that are in the project. There there may be brokers that are involved in into the deal, but that's the commercial sector. Mm -hmm. If you're just talking about a regular, you know, homeowner, mm -hmm. um, then maybe you are working with a general contractor or uh, upholstery artist. Mm -hmm. Um but I the high ticketed projects happens within the electrical, the plumbing and uh, the material itself, the construction. Right. So, 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 what it seems like the, the biggest concerns for these contractors are is that it's all going to fit under budget, or maybe things aren't going to go the way you wanted to them, and they, they don't want to take the blame that the project's over budget, or it's not going to work out the way you presented. Right. Right. And so we help them, you know, kind of step off the ledge. Like, okay, so let's debrief. Yeah. This is what you said you wanted. And this is what the cost was. Mm -hmm. And so it's not at all loss. Let's, let's taper down what we want to remove. Mm -hmm. And so we always like to tell our clients, okay, create your wish list, you know, your, no. your champagne taste. And then let's, let's go back in and really um, do surgery on each line item mm -hmm. and revisit the priorities of each of those items and say what you really need. Because at the end of the day, the client really has no, you know, um, budget entail. You know, there's kind of, and rightfully so, just like anybody else, you're gonna wanna, you're you gonna want wanna, everything. exactly. You're gonna want marble Calcutta, like from floor to ceiling. And it's just like, okay, maybe you can afford a corner. So, <laughs> so, you're, coming out, so, so you're coming out with a list of not necessarily needs, but wants. And then once they, they're they like, hey, I want all these things. Uh, and the, other, the contractors aren't really involved yet, right? I would assume. No, not yet. Not yet. So so you go to them and you're like, this is how much it's going to be. And they like shit their pants. And then you're like, okay, now we got to work it back, right? So you bring, so they have an idea where it is and you kind of perform surgery on their list. Uh, and then, so now you guys are ready to go. You have a budget. Now you got... X number of contractors uh, seems electrical and plumbing is going to be the most high ticket items, as you said. Mm -hmm. So you get everything going uh, and then things get dicey when one of the contractors feels like they can't get something that you need at the right price or it's not going to work out how it was envisioned. And then all hell breaks loose and you have to just bring the whole serenity back into the room and calm everyone down. Yeah, that happens all the time. And so we always, what we do is called a preliminary budget mm -hmm. where uh, after we gather all of the end users mm -hmm. needs and what they want, you know, throw down, you know, all of your, your must haves. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So then 
we're going to send that list over to our GC, general contractor. Mm-hmm. Hey, can you bid this out? Sure, it's going to cost this much. Right. The architect or interior designer reviews that entire list and makes sure that each item is all there. And then you shoot it back to your client. Okay, this looks good. I'm a little concerned about line two, three, and four. Uh, what do you think about that? And so it, it's a lot of... Um, you know, paper coordination and just a lot of emails back and forth and uh, agreeing to a budget. But the bulk of our creativity in our office and what we do is moving around those funds without compromising the integrity of the aesthetics, Mm. which is key. Right. Of course, interior design artist. That makes sense. So so it, it seems like there's almost going to be a constant relook at what's going on. You have a grand plan with a general set of nuts and bolts, but every now and then a bolt or a nut's not fitting right. But as long as things come out from a grandeur vision, it's all going to be okay. And you're in there and there's, there's just like the contractors could be upset, the client could be upset, and you have to be like, hey, trust me. And that all goes back to the reason why they picked you in the first place, because they realized that you were there to give them the best and uh, most extensive value possible. You know, at the end of the day, we want to please the clients. Mm-hmm. And so there's going to be a lot of speed bumps, you know, but you're going to go through them together each time every time you know and with that the those speed bumps and how successful you're able to hop over them uh depends on the returning customer which is you know majority part of our business so it's very important to us to sustain that relationship all the way through and creating a realistic uh results for them right right and um speaking of of I was going to say, you're saying return business. So obviously uh, your best clientele is someone who's continuing doing more and more projects. So residentially, that's someone who's an investment, um, someone in investment properties. And I would think commercially, it's someone who is building out locations, right? Um, so uh, so in the, in the case, so you're not necessarily all just going to like one business and being like, let me spruce up your, your place. It's more of, hey, let me help you spruce up all your clients all the time. Yeah, because it depends on, you know, the um, who you work with. Mm-hmm. So let's just say you're working with a commercial broker mm-hmm. and he his name is on over 30 buildings in just one city. Yeah. Well, wouldn't you want to work with that commercial broker? You know, yeah. like, hey, you're my new BFF, you yeah. know? And then to residential, it's going to be your uh, either property investor or your general contractor, the person okay. that's building the home. You know, they're, homeowners is great. Um, we enjoy working with end users, but we're really seeing the the excitement, the creativity really mm-hmm. happen. If you want to um, get more experience, it's going to be working with those general contractors mm-hmm. and those home builders because they're building properties by a handful. Yeah. And so that's where those turnkey projects come in. And now the trick is, how can we create a streamlined product without even thinking because to them, they can't afford to hire a designer. So I go into different real estate events and I tell them, what if I told you that you don't need to hire an interior designer and you get to still design and create a product without having to shop off the streets mm. and still get the professional look? So your, your value prop to those home builders is that 
hey, look, you get you get to give options to your customers that are way above the notch of anything you've ever provided before. But the way that you're going to be able to afford that is my relationships with the vendors. Yes. Well, the design firm has a relationships with the, the contractors, the right. vendors, and the brokers, uh, which, which is all helpful. And it can be great because the end user is coming to you to rely on you to have all those resources and they may not right. have it. Um, so you're just really there as a concierge and we just basically color. Gotcha. <laughs> that's what people like to think we just, do but there's color. so much more to it than that yeah i actually when when i think interior design i think of all the furniture within in the layout right i i never even i honestly never even think about the colors so like but as you can see i'm not really didn't think about the colors in this room <laughs> since it is as white as i am you know for those that can't see the room is literally a blank canvas yeah. <laughs> which can be a good thing good and bad for sure so so okay so uh you came into our space uh and it's uh it's pretty cool it didn't scare me off it didn't no, scare you off okay that's good so, i was a little confused i was in the right place <laughs> really i mean i didn't see you so i was just like oh yeah it's very uh I'm all the way in the back. They keep me in the back because I'm, you know, a troll. So they want don't want me to have me out front. Scare away the. I mean, no dogs were coming at me, so no, I figured no I was somewhat in the right yeah, place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No dogs allowed in the building, so we're trying to. <laughs> sometimes, um, so you came into this space. For those who obviously cannot see our situation here, we have a, a huge mural, a mural, mural. <laughs> Of uh, of be someone, which is a iconic Houston thing for those who are not from Houston. Uh, we got a ping pong table, some leather couches, and uh, we definitely have some awesome industrial furniture here. But we have a very open layout. What would you say you could do for Eastwood to make it even more attractive for potential salespeople? I think you're trying to get a free service out of me. No, <laughs> no, oh, I always try to get a free service out of everyone. <laughs> No, we'd be happy to help. So, I mean, right off the bat, I would probably ask, well, let me ask you this. What is your overall vision for the space? Um, I would like a place because, let me back up. Most of our salespeople are in the field. Uh, obviously, it was not the best of times when COVID happened for us. But uh, they're in the field a lot. And when they are here, it would be best for them to be in a situation that feels super inviting, high energy, uh, someplace they can kind of kick it after they've been really hustling out door to door, business to business, so on and so forth, in a place they could be super proud of and be like, hey, this is the office I get to work at. You know, that's great because we're seeing a lot of um, these millennial office open mm -hmm. concepts um, all over. I'm on the millennial edge. Well, you know, we'll just say that you are one today. Okay. Um, and it's, it's becoming really popular because you want to create a space that um, encourages creatives mm -hmm. to the office place, okay. right? And to, and to work for you and create a sense of home, mm -hmm. and a home away from home. Home away from home. I mean, yes, please. No one sleep here. Well, they don't have to sleep here unless you have a sleeping pod, which can be okay. We're not going that route. You don't have siesta here? No, there's no siestas at Eastwood. <laughs> Just Taco Tuesday. Right. So um, for those of you that don't see the room, it's a little bit more of an industrial uh, type of setup, open plan. 
And so I would look at, okay, well, how is the lighting? Then I would look at the existing condition. And then I would go back to, you know, the, the goal that you're trying to meet. And then I would say, okay, well, how can we achieve that? Let's, let's visit some of the spaces and see if that's really what you were describing. Mm. And if it's lacking, we'll fill it and come up with some ideas that mm. will to match to that vision that you have. Um, so right off the bat, and you said inviting, right? Mm -hmm. I would say to maybe warm up the space a bit is to um, add a little bit more light, mm. maybe towards the front. Okay. Um, especially with the office being located off of the west wing of the building, you can't really notice it yeah. walking down the hallway, especially with these vacant spaces. Okay, so like so, neon lights. <laughs> I, I'm not hey they don't have to blink okay continuously <laughs> if, you get, if you get my drift yeah but, yes I do. um but I, I think more of a lighter palette mm. that will draw the eye to into the space okay. that's like oh I want to go see what's down this hallway I see a lot of light mm -hmm. and people are attracted to um okay. this natural lighting appeal so better lighting. and so um I know it's nighttime right now but just e even walking in like i first of all i knew to walk in because i saw this room but yeah. if it was divvied up by walls i would say oh okay this is probably like a vacant warehouse yeah and i wouldn't have known to walk in <laughs> so that's the worst I, thing to I, hear. I think maybe like keeping the front um i wouldn't say cozy, cozy. but adding like a rug and signage right before the desk Okay. With the with the logo that's backlit. So we do have the backlit lo logo right there. I the, would probably put it on the, on the other, other end when people are coming off the elevators, which is in right. the other direction, and you have it faced a, across the the yeah, room. I fucked up. No, <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's an easy fix. That's just you know um, little things. So that's something that we can do. Just visiting each corner of the space and being intentional with well, what makes sense. You know, it, it's you're creating an experience for right. the end user. Yeah. That could be a customer. That could be your next client. Right. And you want to create, you know, it's like Starbucks. Yeah. Star, the sales starts when you park in their parking lot. Yeah, that's The true. moment you come out of that car and you're walking towards that door and you open up the door and that's just that waft of like fresh coffee i know right you know so it just exciting. makes you like and you hear that blender going off yeah, and yeah. as you're looking down the menu and you're just like what do i want i, I just I i'm not I in the mood for coffee but i think i want one now you know and yeah. just everyone's studying so it's creating that experience for the customer mm. um what would be inviting to them maybe adding a, a little bit of greenery as well right. since most Some of the flooring plants. here is concrete yeah, you want to right. soften up the space okay. adding a little bit of outdoor okay outdoor and the indoor yeah I, I would say lighting and adding outdoor or natured aspects into okay. an office building is it will make a substantial right. transformation for people coming into the office cool got like a maple tree right there yeah just like a big tree lock striking yeah, just, right down the workstation yeah, they don't go. even need a table they, they don't need to work anywhere it's like just on the tree exactly just okay cool. <laughs> it's completely normal just yeah, no seats they just sit in the tree like yes, on the branches and, and they can just prop the laptop off of the branch this is we're next level we're, we're next don't level. don't do that if you're just tuning in don't do that it's next level millennial goes from open space to outdoor space <laughs> <laughs> open concept outdoor concept um so is there anything you liked about this space
Uh, I I love the the industrial furniture. Oh yeah, you really like this uh, table, you said. Yes. Oh, uh, you know, we're always looking for something unique yeah. that adds identity yeah, to think, the company. Uh, I think uh, this is a good pick. Actually, I got to dab up Mindy, my partner, for this one because we were originally going to do cold, all steel, but this is way warmer. Exactly, and that's a great point. So, like as you can tell, all the flooring is concrete, right? So mm -hmm. you wouldn't um, use the same material as yeah. furniture. You want to yeah. offset it. So bringing in the warmer space, you bring in the wood to offset the concrete. Yeah. So we should have had like white ceilings, huh? So if you, if you really want to make it cozy in here, I'd probably um, throw up some faux greenery on the wall. Faux greenery. Yeah. Faux F A U X. Okay. I mean, they're called they're called box <laughs> they're called boxwood. Okay. And I mean, you can just get it off of Amazon. It's super affordable right. and you can buy them in large squares and just throw them up on the wall. You probably see it in a lot of restaurants. Yep. And there's uh, actually I mean, a restaurant called Tiny Boxwood. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I haven't been there, but I want to really go there. It's really delicious. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you can use that and just put it on a wall as an accent and it creates that outdoor feel. Got you. You know. So you want so you want to contrast the space it seems. If you have something too bright, you want to bring it a little bit more down dark wise. And if you have a place that's too dark, you need to bring in some more. Yeah, depending on, you know, the location. So, like, if you're right by a window, um, but it's facing west, you mm -hmm. know, it's not going to get a lot of light. And mm -hmm. so, I mean, we can work out those things with you. But right off the bat, I think these, like, dim-lidded atmospheres is mm -hmm. best suited for more of a lounge type of feel. So, mm -hmm. if you had, like, a couple of bean bags and maybe a rug and, like, a couple of um, ottomans mm. as seats ottomans. that would be great for the a low dim light right. maybe like a theater with like a tv right. but if it's you're coming right off the elevator into a space i would say kind of you know brighten, brighten it, it up, up a bit and let people know hey you belong here you belong here we want you here we want you here at eastwood yeah we don't want it to be we're here to murder your dogs yeah. no just yeah, kidding no, no dogs no. no dogs no murder no dogs were harmed while taping this it's exactly <laughs> they're at home they're happy well, that's good. So I, I screwed up on the sign. All right, cool. That's, that's good to hear. I think it's a great space, though. It has a lot of potential, and it, it has great bones. I think also... <laughs> that always hurts. It has great bones when we're practically finished. <laughs> <laughs> no, as in the foundation. Oh, I got you. You're right, right. And so, like, the glass, um, I really like what you did with the turned glass mm -hmm. because not a lot of people... Um, yeah, that was a, that was like, a, that was a battle right there, this? honestly. Right. Because like they were originally saying, hey, like they wanted to put another. They wanted to put like a piece, another slab. Yeah. Right. Because uh, it just wasn't going to be structurally okay, but then they made it. But then they made it work out. It was an interesting. It was interesting. A lot of this was interesting. Yeah, I think a lot of people want to create um, an open space, and so by adding. A glass instead of drywall mm -hmm. is you know the ticket because if you didn't then this room would look smaller yeah right oh, yeah but 100%. we're but we're sitting in the room and it feels like we're a Super part big. of of the other space now but if, we're still divided if we wanted to add more offices where should i put those where would you put more offices i would probably put it right beside the existing offices oh, thanks that you're like yeah. you that you idiot <laughs> you're like right beside <laughs> no. your other offices 
Okay, that wasn't a hard question. <laughs> well, you know, they've come up with different workstations, um, really neat setup. So it, it depends on um, the role of the person using the space. If mm -hmm. it's a private office, then usually typically you would see it lined up along mm -hmm. the windows. Yeah. And then you have the corridor, right, you right. know, right beside that. You then know, you see I the individual we were, office. I think we were worried if we built like another office, two offices here, it kind of kills the entrance from the windows. But if you keep it all glass, you still kind of get that situation, huh? Yeah. Okay. You're saying if you had a office. Yeah, if we had offices here, it could kill the whole entrance of having all the people N seeing. Not necessarily. So let's just say this conference, I mean, this is perfect the way that it, the, the way that it is, but in an alternate alternative setting, I've seen a lot of conferences that are um, closer to the reception area. Yeah, we thought about that too. Um, now, I well, mean, it's really, this. I know, it's really great yeah. just sitting right by the window, right? But with this really fantastic glass wall, you're able to see, you know, people come in and mm -hmm. they're able to see you do work and that kind of, you know, right. draws people right. in. Like, oh, what are they doing? Like, right. I want to be a part of that. And And also it... But really on a practical stance, it was the private to semi-private areas mm -hmm. that allowed the conference room to be closer to the reception area because usually you would escort the client directly into the conference room after waiting and you didn't want them to walk in all right. these offices. But you know, here it's gonna be a little bit different, yeah, um, yeah. which works. So I would recommend along the walls of the windows and then your open workstations would be in the larger open areas. Exactly how you have it. Yep. Got you. Sweet. So I'm so glad I got you on the podcast, Olivia, so I could get all that free uh, info. <laughs> yeah, that was that was the goal the whole time. No, I I just kind of wanted to get a sense for how your mind works on these things, and um, I guess uh, I guess it seems that if any anyone wants general advice, uh, you're always willing to give it absolutely so uh so it's gonna cost a million dollars a million dollars. <laughs> one million instantly millionaire so for anyone that's listening that owns a commercial space or a residential space residential space wow i can't talk and uh they're like you know what olivia Wynn sounds like the absolute best interior designer or at the very least extremely good interior designer uh where can they find you how can they contact you and the best way to reach us is on Instagram. Mm -hmm. So you're going to go to V-E-R-O underscore interiors okay. dot H-T-X. Okay, awesome. So Instagram is the best. Nowhere else? Nowhere else uh, we also have a Facebook. Okay. And uh, they can also reach us by email, which okay. I'll give you that info. Got you, mm -hmm. got you. Awesome. Well, I'll give it to uh, the magic man over there, Gonzalo. He always makes it appear on the screen. I just, uh, I just assume that it's magic because I don't want to, want to even, yeah, this goddamn wizard. So, <laughs> so well, I appreciate having you on the show. Thank you for kind of going over how to essentially become an interior designer, your struggles, and and what it takes to really hustle in that in that space and get clientele. And uh, for those who are listening because they love Texas tea. Or just now love it, love Texas tea, not just the drink, but our, our podcast. Uh, you now, if since this is in Houston, go to Facebook and go to Space City 
success and that's our, our group on Facebook and you can uh, talk about this podcast talk ask any questions or go to our YouTube obviously Texas T podcast down in the comments below you can ask Olivia any question uh, and I'm sure she'll be happy to ask or uh, answer it uh, and if uh, you can't find us that way we always take smoke signals because we have this amazing <laughs> we'll see it all the way across to Houston once again, thanks for coming on the show, Olivia. Thanks for tuning in, guys. And until next time, keep that tea piping hot.